that we have a separated podcast where we can just talk about movies without sort of feeling guilty about taking away from the main podcast. Mm-hmm. We don't have to only talk about new movies being released. I think we maybe did one or two before, um, like in preparation. Like we did uh, the yeah. original Blade Runner in preparation exactly. for the new one. But yeah, so we wanted to just do a, a different movie and we just kind of looked to see what was out that neither of us had seen yet. And right. I, Tanya, is one that me and my wife has have had on our list for a couple weeks because it came to Hulu and we right. just missed it in theaters. And so now it's available on Hulu. And so we finally watched it. I texted you. You watched it. And mm-hmm. that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Let's start like we normally do. What was your general impression of the movie? So I I genuinely really liked it. I, uh, I'm i going to ask you this too, but I knew the story pretty well. And by that, I mean I watched the 30 for 30 and was generally aware of the zeitgeisty nature of, you know, mm-hmm. Tanya Harding kneecapped uh, the other girl that I can never remember her name, Car- Karen, right. whatever her name is, which is sad to say. <laughs> uh, Nancy Kerrigan. I guess that makes me kind of a bad person. But either way, I was generally aware of the story, um, but seeing it sort of dramatized, I was kind of excited about. And yeah, I I, I thought it was really, really fun. And yeah. know, I'll get into why. But what, Yeah, and so my impression of this was like, one of the better movies I've seen in, in a while, including like more recent stuff in theaters. Like I like it was just weird. Like, okay. So for new listeners that aren't aware, um, like I've explained on here before, I'm sure at some point that like, I have this really weird criteria for whenever I consider a movie, like very high in my pantheon of movies. And it generally is whenever it sits on my mind enough that I even have dreams about it. Mm. And this was one of those situations where like I kept thinking about it after I watched the movie and like I went on a YouTube dive, watched like all the original footage, which we'll get to in the movie was like verbatim, like how the stuff actually went down. Like I watched the, the apology video that she did. Um, that Tanya Harding did. I watched um, the actual raw footage. Had you seen the 30 for 30, uh, ESPN 30 for 30 documentary? No, no. I, I only I only knew the story very vaguely, knew the, the ins and out of it, because uh, for listeners that don't know, we were four years old when this happened, both of us. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, so I, I, I was like aware of it from like, being part of culture but like never really sat and dug into right. it so this was my first like introduction to it and then i went and like i said i watched the interview or, or the apology video i watched the raw footage of nancy kerrigan aftermath which was really like horrifying like yeah yeah it really and I, like this movie touches on a little bit so we'll probably talk about it but it really does touch right onto that sort of uh the like paparazzi era yeah. of like 90s kind of craziness i feel like there was a peak in the 90s right. of like extreme paparazzi and maybe it, it hasn't really peaked but it seems like there's like the princess well, diana thing which what was that was that 90s or 80s yeah but there was all these like. different sort of things that seemed like they happened around then uh actually i think they talked about in this movie the uh oj simpson oj simpson thing happened like right after this yeah i was gonna say like that i felt like that was actually kind of like if there was a point to the movie that was a strong part of it was sort of this like what's the word like uh i forget what the word what what is there's a term for it for like uh you know like watching voyeurism 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, there's like this voyeuristic nature to like, at least in like, we, we're still like this. Like, I remember there's big media cases, like, the, what was it, like the Casey Anthony stuff. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, things like that where, don't get me wrong, there's there's some that are big for a reason because they're directly tied to social issues, but then there's other ones that feel like they're more just for the sheer entertainment. Right. Oh, it. for sure. And uh, like you've talked about, the whole rise of true crime and true crime podcasts yeah. and true crime like stuff on Netflix is very like exploitive of the families and stuff involved. Yeah, I, I seem to be the only person that's like bothered by S Town and uh, Serial, which uh, which is one of the, which is weird because like I fully admit like they're like like well done and I enjoy listening to them, but there is this weird like. This feels exploitative. Of, like it feels like it should be a like fiction or something. Situation. Yeah, and just quick side note, <laughs> I I think I told you about it. Did you listen to that Onion podcast at all? I have it on my on Overcast, but I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, so well, I won't say anything about it other than like listeners, like if that if that sort of thing interests you, like the Onion put out this satirical um, podcast called A Very Fatal Murder, and it's basically just like a parody and like a critique of of like true crime uh podcasts and it's actually it's it's really funny to listen to and i think if you listen to all eight or nine episodes it'll it's only about 70 minutes so it's not actually that long but it's it's great yeah and we'll have a link in the show notes yeah but yeah i haven't i haven't listened to s-town or serial yet so i don't know that i would necessarily get all the references but it probably would be helped if you had listened to one of those before but it definitely isn't necessary right. like you get what they're critiquing because it can also apply to um situations like this movie seem to be critiquing where like like it seems like a big show like the whole right. nancy kerrigan thing i think it was a genius screenwriting move to have one of the talking heads be a like reporter for a tabloid yeah <laughs> I thought that so, was really cool the way that they I that was a really smart move I feel like to right. kind of throw that angle onto like the whole story as it goes along. Right, exactly. Because yeah, and 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 like you said, like I I really do think the OJ Simpson thing was meant to like hammer home this point because she's talking about like the fact that like she's like distressed like after the fact after it's either right before her trial or right after that 94 competition olympics um but like she's like looking at the footage on tv and then starts narrating something about basically saying it's sort of voyeuristic and then then it goes right into an oj simpson and like yeah. goes into like the oj and it's like and then everybody yeah, moves on to the here's next the thing. next thing and they yeah, just exactly. leave like a wake of damage behind them right so what did you think about the style and like editing of this movie because that was something i really enjoyed like it's weird because it is a f- like an entertaining movie to watch because of the amount of characterization, but it should be clear. Like it's a pretty serious movie as well. Like, yes, um, and brutal, especially the first half. Right. And then, but, but like it was edited in such a way to where I feel like it was smart to make this, like, I guess you could call it a biopic, right? Um, yes. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of smart to make it this way over this, this particular story, because it's a story where, there doesn't seem to be a clear, even though it's one of those things where it's like I feel like everybody sort of feels like yeah she, like she was in on this or whatever. Um, oh, like I don't. It's think one of those clear, things that's. But go ahead. Well, well, the point is, is it's like a, not a completely clear thing. Like there's no factual, like 
clarity to a lot of the stu- events surrounding the story, except for, you know, someone got injured, this person was involved, and that sort of thing. And so they open up, and, like, the opening scrawl says something like, this is based on extraordinary, contradictory... Um, interviews. Uh, true interviews, yeah. And so, like, the clarifier for the entire film, like, lets you know, like, Look, a lot of this may feel unrealistic or straining credulity at times, but it's because it's completely based on interviews that are contradictory. And they even did, like broke the fourth wall, like Deadpool, several times. Yes, I was not expecting that at all. And I thought yeah. at first I was kind of like, I usually like this stuff, but this seems sort of weird. But then it like really, really worked. And specifically, the way it worked was that it was like the screenwriter talking directly to you to say hey this thing like this is contested like we're showing you this event like this guy hitting her right but then show him going like hey i never did that That and then vice versa and it's kind of like okay this is a cool way to like give us a sort of canon but try to be like um responsible with the fact that you're saying we don't really know this is just kind of the one we're going with here Right. And the other thing that was really, really cool about that, did did you ever see The Big Short? No, I still haven't seen okay. that. Okay, that movie, this movie reminded me of that a lot. It might be because it's the only movie I've seen with Margot Robbie in it, but I think it's, the main thing is, I think it, it was edited very similarly, but it also did a similar thing with this fourth wall deal. And in this movie, they did another, like a very, very similar thing where they had all those moments where they talked like that and she would say you know that didn't really happen or this didn't really happen yeah but then whenever they showed that scene with her whenever she uh whenever tanya like decided to come back and was training again mm-hmm. and she was in the woods doing all that crazy stuff and the trainer kept looking at the camera and saying she really did that she actually did this yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was this really cool moment where the movie earned your trust yeah by telling you early on like hey, this thing, this isn't real. And then that pays off later whenever they can now look at you and say, hey, this is real. And like you have like established this trust with the audience so that they can go right. like, holy crap, she really did do this stuff, didn't she? Yeah. I just think yeah. that's a really cool like writing trick that I the only other place I've ever seen that is The Big Short. And I thought it was really cool the way they did that in mm-hmm. there too. Yeah, it was... Well, I, I still haven't seen that yet. I need to. I think it's still on Netflix. But um, Yeah, maybe we should do an episode um, on that one. Yeah. Um yeah, I really enjoy it because like I had remembered that and during the award seasons, I think this movie either was nominated and maybe even won, I don't recall for editing. And I remember thinking like how could that I mean, it's a biopic, but but like what what about that would make it like good editing? I mean, obviously there can be, but it just didn't seem like a type of movie that might stand out for editing specifically, more like acting and things like that. Right. And uh, and once you actually watch the movie, it's kind of interesting because it's like, oh, I see why because of like how they arranged it. And maybe that's more of a scripting thing. I feel like, but I don't, I don't know what's what. Yeah, but there was a lot of there was a lot of specific editing choices that were really cool. Like another one that sort of caught my eye was when they were going to the lawyer's house. Do you know what, ta- what I'm talking about? Um, so there, this is after think. things are going down, and they go to the lawyer's house um, mm-hmm. to like talk through kind of how they're going to approach this. And this is still while uh, Tanya is like at least seemingly doesn't really seem to know what's going on. Yeah. So she doesn't think it's a big deal. And uh, what's her husband's name? Oh, I forget. 
I mean, but it's Winter Soldier. Yeah. Must that <laughs> Winter Soldier? Yeah, that's the Winter Soldier. That's Sebastian Stan. Are you serious? That's yeah. That guy can that's act? why. I, yeah, that's what I was oh. telling you. I was like, I'm so glad I got to see him finally do something now besides being the Winter Soldier. I vaguely remember that that text now. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, he's very good. I just think he's boring as the Winter Soldier. Huh. I don't think it's his fault. I think it's Marvel's fault. Yeah, because I mean, he was excellent in this. We've just we've just thoroughly pissed off all the Marvel. Yeah, fans, sorry but... about that. Uh, <laughs> no, we only half. Yeah. <laughs> no, so like there was that scene where they were going into the lawyer's uh, house, and they like they pull up to the house, and there's like music playing really loud. And they did this a lot in the movie where they just randomly have like '90s era music playing really loud. Right. And there was music playing really loud as they like walked hurriedly into the house, and then mm-hmm. the music cuts off whenever they get in the house. And they have, like, it's not that short of a scene, but it's supposed to seem like it's a short amount of time. And, you know, Margo, or not Margo, uh, Tanya says something that freaks out her husband because it's like she's giving something away. And he, like, grabs her and they leave the house right away. Yeah. And as soon as they exit the house again, they, like, blare the music immediately. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, like, kind of being struck in that moment. Like, it made it feel like this whirlwind intense fast scene had just happened even though it wasn't really but it was like another neat little trick that i don't know if i've ever seen anything like that before but this movie was like filled with stuff like that and some of them didn't necessarily land but like it's fine because it just was full of like creative editing and creative cinematography in general absolutely and honestly so now that you know that was sebastian stan this might be a good time to talk about like i thought like every part that they picked in this movie like all the actors were amazing. Like and even watching interviews like like real things after the fact like they look like identical to the real people. I mean That's what I was going to say. Margot Robbie is the only one that's a tad different um and they they probably picked her because she's famous and you know lead actress. She looks a little different, but they did enough to make her look like Tanya Harding and everyone else just looked like ripped right off of you know, at least the stuff that I watched. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like whenever, whenever the movie first started and they started showing the talking head stuff, I literally, cause it had been about a year and a half, maybe two years since I've seen that 30 for 30 documentary and all this. Yeah. And I was like, is this like, is this the actual interviews with those people? Like I'm trying to remember. And then they showed the bodyguard guy. Mm hmm. And the way they showed it was with this sort of VCR filter on it. And he was in like a cafe and I seriously like sat forward in my chair and I'm like, I think that's really him, but I, gosh, I can't remember, but it's like, yeah, that got the mannerisms like so perfectly that, (laughs) and that guy left an impression on me from the documentary that long ago. Cause he's just that bizarre of a character. Yeah. The whole, (laughs) I'm very involved in (laughs) counterterrorism. No, you're not. Yes, I am. (laughs) Like, gosh, yeah. It really was just impressive. It was amazing. Like, this movie just isn't... And that's the the weird thing about it. Like, it is entertaining, despite the movie's, like, sort of critique at the end. And it's just so insane that, like, there was so much material here that they got where you feel like it's a movie script thing. But it's like, no, that's a real thing that was said or done or found or... It's like... When I watched uh, Public Enemy with Tommy Dillinger, mm-hmm. the, the gangster from the 20s, and 
you know, after all these movies, you always go home and open up Wikipedia to be like, all right, what what in this was like embellished to make the movie fun? Right. And I remember coming home and reading about Tommy Dillinger and being like, they toned Tommy Dillinger down to make him seem more realistic. Right. And that's what mo- this movie feels like. It feels like they left out things that were just crazy because this whole story is just completely insane. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is just really bizarre. And what what did you think? So, well, we have to before we move on. We have to talk about the mom. Okay, yeah, because she was both horrible in every way and also incredible in the like acting way. I feel like, yeah, it, it was actually sort of weird. Like, so I had heard that in both this movie and n- no spoilers, but like for Lady and Lady Bird as well, that Is it the same like actress? there was. No, not not the same actress, but that maybe it was. I, I don't think it was oh, at all. Okay. But um, but that there was like like part of the crux of both stories had something to do with like a a mother like daughter relationship thing, and so it was weird because I watched this first, and even though there was a similar um dynamic in Lady Bird, like this blunted the following one because of like how awful she was oh you watched ladybird right after you watched this yeah okay yeah i was not connecting the dots there which we can maybe talk about a different time and it's a great movie but i don't want to we're not spoiling that here but all of that to say like the relationship and how horrible the mother was in this movie made like ladybird feel like a walk in yeah the park. it was <laughs> it was crazy like she was so awful and in the worst way which is like believably awful yeah like she wasn't a cartoon villain she felt like she had like real motivators and it felt like a real person right who like genuinely felt like they were right the whole time which is the worst part like oh gosh yeah there was never that moment of like oh she feels like bad about what she did she just was a monster and like yeah every scene she was in you were like so tense see i watched this and and if you recall i texted you like i got home from work and like normally whenever i get home from work i'm ready to just turn my mind off and not like i can't really bring myself to watch anything dramatic and it's just a weird personal thing yeah so i normally like just watch comedies or whatever and fall asleep yeah and so um I started watching this because we were going to. Rec- I didn't know if we were going to record Saturday morning or not, and so I texted you and I was like, "This is way too much for getting home after work <laughs> on a Friday night," because it was just like, which, uh, like the violence was sort of like super, like a really big bummer. Yeah, and that's, a, that's putting it lightly, right? And don't get me wrong, like I'm not like it's violence more in like abuse. So it's not like no, right, exactly. But it's that's not worse. like I get squeamish with war movies yeah. or anything. It's just like, yeah, like everyone was just awful. Like her mother, at least in this portrayal, hits her. Um, her husband uh, hits her all the time, and it's just it always just comes out of nowhere, and it's always shocking. And then the media hits her is kind of a theme. Yeah, yeah. And the public, like she's right. constantly being abused <laughs> from multiple sides. Right, and the judges, and yeah. Yeah, What and, and the mother really was, like, like it, it really, like, they did a great job because in that last scene with the mother where, like, she shows up at her, I don't know, hotel room or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, apologizes and everything, and then she finds out she has a tape recorder and she asks her about it. Like, that was, that was super depressing, too. You know, it's weird. <laughs> like, obviously, yes, that it was depressing, but I was almost relieved. This is one of those, like horrible yeah uh, like viewer experiences where i was sitting there like 
well, that doesn't make any sense. Like she's, they totally broke her right. character for the sake of blah, blah, blah. And like, it seems like she, it was way too right. easy for her to reconcile her differences. And then whenever like you kind of caught on like, oh, she's trying to like get a recording of her. Right. I almost had more relief than depression. Cause I was like, oh, okay, her character has remained intact, which, <laughs> yeah. So the, all of this to say like the, the violence and the drama in the movie was very effective i'll say that like i i genuinely enjoyed this movie i'm not saying it was like a critique at all like it it did what it was supposed to do yeah it's just rough um, it's hard to watch very well <laughs> yeah and so like one thing i didn't know about the story of this movie i didn't know that she was like known like i didn't know she was actually like a big deal before this incident had happened like oh yeah like she was the first figure skater in america to land a triple axel right. which is apparently a really hard thing to do um i don't i clearly don't know much about figure skating i just watch it when the olympics are on so yeah so like in order to get the shots in this movie they had to like do that in cg because there's only a couple like women who can do a triple axel like today and none of them would be willing to like risk getting injured for this movie because they're all competing and stuff i had wondered how they did that yeah and uh, at some point uh, during this i do want to talk about the sort of skating sequences themselves but mm-hmm. you can continue with your thought yeah and so i like i was just saying like i didn't know about some of the historical elements of it i also thought it was a really interesting and at the same time sort of a weird thing i didn't know why did the uh winter olympics for like a one-time thing like switch to it only being two years later for that one time in 94 so this was when they switched the winter and summer olympics to happen on alternating years Gotcha. Okay. They used to happen the same year. Okay. Because like whenever she like had the issue or whatever happened at the at the 92 Olympics, like I was like, well, I know this thing happens in 94, so I guess that wasn't the Olympics like I thought. And then they they were like, hey, this one time it's going to be Yeah, it's the first know, actually it, it was the, the one time that it was it was only 2 years away because it was when they first like yeah changed how that worked because it either would have been only two years or it would have been six years in between right yeah me and my wife had the exact same experience and uh she did some quick googling (laughs) yeah and so i'd like to comment on and i I don't know if this is what you were wanting to get into so the kind of the other things that i found impressive was like i said like i went into kind of a deep dive afterwards of certain things and um i was amazed first of all like the period drama nature of this movie felt like spot on like i didn't live in the 80s i lived in the early 90s and i feel like some of that like culture bled over like like even the wedding it felt like i don't know where it was but it felt like it was in like a small church basement sort of thing with like those white fence i think they were in uh portland oregon oh okay well i I don't know where they were at i i just remember thinking like there's just so much where like the clothing yes and it kind of hit on the small town, like the wedding especially. Yeah. Like I've been to lots of weddings that feel like they were in a location like that, not in, you know, right, exactly. some like lake overlooking, you know, I don't know, a great forest or whatever movies usually do usually with weddings. Yeah. This felt like a lot more like, oh yeah, it's like a typical wedding for like a non-rich uh, young married couple that probably is in debt because they're going to college or they're like, you know, both doing small jobs or whatever right yeah and so all the like historical stuff to it it's it's sort of weird because like i said i was born in 1990 so i didn't live 
uh, aware really through this decade, but there's like pieces of my childhood. Like I remember whenever my mom got married uh, to my dad now, like I was three or four years old. And so like, I feel like a lot of the things that people wore to that wedding, which was at our old church, like, like back in like the old wing of it, if you remember that. And uh, like the old fellowship hall. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where that was at. Yeah. And so like, that's where the wedding was held. And like, down to like i feel like there were pictures taken that probably still exist of like that white picket fence looking stuff in the background and like a lot of the clothing and suits that people wore and hairstyles like it it's weird because i realized that was like a late 80s wedding but some of that those trends still bled over into the early 90s and it felt sort of nostalgic in a weird way if that makes sense yeah i just uh i just looked it up and sh- that wedding was 1990 Oh wow! Okay, so it was like right there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I was about to say, I thought I was like, I thought this was happening in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, I I just remember like the early part of it. Whenever she was younger, had to have been the eighties. Sure. Whenever like she was a kid. Yeah. So I didn't know when that crossed Which, over into the nineties. Okay. <laughs> I have to point out one of the notes I have written down is like those two, uh, Tanya and the the Winter Soldier guy. Right. Those were the least believable like high school kids or whatever age they were supposed to be in those couple shots oh, at the beginning. Right. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what you have to do. It's either that or get two or like totally different actors to try and do their teenager right. years. But that was a little yeah, brutal. That's always a difficult yeah, yeah. thing to do. But yeah. Um, so kind of continuing off of that though, like when it, whenever it actually got to specific moments, like you said, with the skates, um, I didn't know how you were going to touch on that, but I was also going to touch on like with the historical element, um, the actual events that were captured on camera, like, the apology video and the actual skate that she did in 94 where she goes up to the judge's table and puts her leg up there like all of that like i watched the video clips of that afterwards and i was like holy cow like they didn't miss a beat in reenacting this like moment like even the backstage footage of them where they're like and it seems and we're still waiting on her to come out because it seems like she's Mm -hmm. having a problem with her skate like they like had they apparently got they had to have gotten like the same hallway of wherever that was and everything because it was like identical because even the news feed from the original olympics of that had like a camera in that back hallway where she was like hunched over or whatever like down to her like putting her hands on her face and everything like was like identical there was the the thing that was really cool about that scene in particular too is they like it's like they they took the time to like get the scene perfectly like recreated Mm -hmm. and then they shot it in a way that wasn't just recreating the like news shots of it if that makes sense right so like right. that whole scene i don't know if you noticed but they they kind of did a birdman esque like single take through the whole thing mm. there was pretty clear like spots where they were doing a hidden cut but either way like it it wasn't the most technically impressive single take but from like an emotional standpoint mm-hmm. they like brought you down on the ice with her during that whole moment yeah. And took it from, like, her freaking out, trying to compose herself, trying to get going, and then just, like, losing it. And then, you know, going up to the judges and crying and all that. But, like, they did all of that in kind of a single fluid camera move where you sort of experienced it with her through that whole thing. 
which was really great. Yeah, and and it worked really yeah, well yeah. because like I remember when she goes up and she puts her foot like on the desk, I was like, "Oh no, like this is over." Yep. And I hadn't realized like that was a real thing. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll give you another chance." And like it was like unprecedented and like all this like that was just nuts. That's absolutely crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I I was just very impressed. The, the only thing that I will say was a little different um just slightly um but it's not really anything the movie did different it was just how they edited um when she does her apology video in the movie it they're obviously not going to have the whole 5 minute speech in sure. the middle of the movie um and in the original apology video she's like stuttering through the entire thing and like can barely get through it if you go back and watch it, it was word for word what she did and like the same mannerisms, but the movie cuts it after the first right, sentence right. and uh, the original video, you can tell she's having a hard time getting through it and remembering what she's supposed to say. And it was like a really like rough press conference. So, um, but no, yeah, like there were all these scenes that like you said, they recreated very well, but, took a different angle on it right they like they 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 tried it seemed like they did a good job of uh taking a very familiar story and then showing it to us from a different perspective oh yeah and i would add to that the nancy kerrigan incident like the the very crux of the of everything was verbatim what happened because that was i thought they maybe had over exaggerated like the screaming Oh, in, no, uh, that's like the, the most iconic moment of this whole it's, thing, I feel like. Yeah, it's horrifying because she's literally saying, why, why? And she's like crying and screaming mm-hmm. or whatever. And, like, and it's just like, that was aired on awful. nightly news for like a month. Right. Which is kind of crazy, too. Like, I feel like that's the type of thing they wouldn't do now. They would say like, maybe air that's it once with a bunch of warnings in front of it and then they'd be like it's on our you know it's on our website if you really want to see this it's available but like right they it seems like that whole like thing about chasing just sort of graphic horrible news stories seems like that's like a pseudo bygone era because you know there's gossip websites and everything that are always going to be mm-hmm. way ahead of anything like nightly news can do i guess so it's not that that right isn't still a thing that's probably still a problem but it doesn't seem to be as part of the zeitgeist as it used to be yeah yeah now it's twitter scandals and whatnot (laughs) right right yeah i don't know that 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 whole story was just crazy because like i said i was vaguely familiar with some of the specifics of it but just how the thing was carried out and i I guess like we should talk about because you kind of already hinted that you might have a different opinion than me like what do you think about the reliability of this particular portrait of the events? I mean, you know, I I can't really say uh, about the reliability of, you know, the way that they said it here. Right. And, and, and I think they did a good job of trying to point out the areas where there's discrepancies. Sure, absolutely. I think the big thing here is what was her, like, involvement in the whole deal? Right. And is is it safe to assume that she had something to do with it or not? Yeah. You know, like we've talked about before, I have a like a strong ickiness towards uh, assuming guilt for somebody unless I'm absolutely sure. Because the idea of like right penalizing somebody who didn't do something wrong scares me, you know, more than letting somebody go who did do something wrong. Right. Um, but 
I don't know the details. I don't remember it being like known knowledge that she was part of a plot to mail her death threats. So, yeah, that that's the thing is the movie did a pretty good job convincing me while I was watching it that she's somewhat sympathetic in the situation. Um, even though, again, the movie is genius because its conceit is, look, this is just based off of what we've in, of these interviews. But like, I sort of started to shift a little bit whenever I was actually watching more recent interviews with her, uh, Nan or not Nancy Kerrigan, um, Tanya Harding. Uh, yeah, Tanya Harding. More recently, like there was something from CNN from years ago where she was asked point blank like did you know have anything to do with this did you know about the situation was going on she said no i didn't know that that's what they were doing i mean there was one time where i overheard them saying we should probably take someone out to help her and i was like what and there was like things like that that made me think what that sounds like something a five-year-old would say to like try to make you think that they were convincing (laughs) but weren't if that makes sense. Like, there's there's a bunch of things like that that she has said since. And there was, like, something where she accused her husband of, like, if you say, uh, like, that that he held her at gunpoint and said, like, if you say anything, then we'll, we'll gang rape you. And then they did. And, um, like, there's things like that where it's, like, I don't know. Like, that. there's certain things that seem a little bit extreme of accusations that you would wonder, like, why isn't this a bigger thing to you now that you're away from this guy? And, you know, that would be a pretty traumatic event. And so that that's why the whole abuse part of it, too, is sort of up in the air to me personally as to, like, what what actually happened here? Like, it's completely plausible to me that, yeah, maybe, maybe her, her mom and her husband abused her. But it's also, like, I feel the, like, the storyline where it was about mailing death threats or whatever, and she knew about that, but not the rest of it, all of that felt very thin to me, if that makes sense. Like, that was the part of the movie where they did a great job within the movie um, making that the storyline, and then, like, having the the boyfriend seem incredulous whenever... The, his, whenever his friend uh, said, no, we went all the way, and, like, we're, we, like, you know, busted her kneecaps or whatever, and he was, like, acting really angry and everything the movie and how it framed it was fine it was just one of those things where it's i felt this isn't how this went down there's no way but it is a crazy story so well but the thing that's that's what i was gonna say is like you're saying it's more believable that they decided to bust their kneecaps and like hire a hitman to do all of that than it is that they didn't want to do that and then somebody else did like no matter what people were making crazy decisions in here that aren't like logical feeling absolutely but i i will say what seems what what seems hard for me to accept is when when a violent crime happens and someone says hey man i i didn't know they were going to do that i mean i was in on it but not not the violent part i thought they were going to do something else like just break into their house and steal something but see that seems that seems super believable especially whenever you see interviews with that bodyguard guy who's like clearly off his rocker sure sure yeah that's why i say i go back and forth but every time i see her in an interview 
my doubt immediately kicks in. Okay. Like, and yeah, maybe I'm just, I haven't seen as much as you have. Yeah. I And I, I didn't watch too much. I'm just saying like there was a few interviews that I watched where I was like, I don't know. It sounds like someone that's adding on making more extreme claims to try and make them sound themselves sound more credible. Like, oh, you know what? Like I even heard about this thing, but I didn't. I didn't know they were actually going to do that. I just thought they were going to do this minor thing, even though I overheard this thing that they ended up doing. And that's the part where it's like, I don't know. That sounds... It's very easy for me to believe that she was complaining about, you know, this other skater and the other guy is like, oh man, we should do something about that. And she's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like they're just talking about stuff. And he's like, man... If we just like somebody just busted her knees, then then she wouldn't be able to do anything. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, like that would totally work. But it's again, it's not like a real mm-hmm. idea. And then this guy who's clearly crazy is like, yeah, I'm going to go do that then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the boyfriend clearly took it upon himself to do this thing. Not I'm even not just the boyfriend, that the that guy, the bodyguard yeah. guy. Sure. I'm just saying, right. listening to him talk, anytime I've ever seen him talk in like, that documentary mm-hmm. it's so easy for me to believe that if you tell that guy hey you should like you should yell at her while she's skating to like break her psyche mm-hmm. and then he takes that and goes oh you know it would work even more if i literally broke her psyche and her knees you know like yeah it and then from their perspective then they start freaking out and potentially trying to cover their tracks a little bit because they don't want to be associated right. and then they make mistakes and the whole thing's easy to see how it got out of hand. Yeah, the, the the only piece which the movie even admitted to that found that made it sort of tough on her involvement part was the letter that they found in the dumpster with the times of, of Nancy Kerrigan's practices. Yeah. Like, apparently, that was a real thing. And I've also seen elsewhere, which I didn't verify this, so this could just be someone saying something. But it was one of those things where, like, I was reading people. I, I like, got such down a rabbit hole that you're reading people argue about it. <laughs> you're on YouTube comments. Yeah. When you're in that world, none of it's reliable. But you kind of see some people where it's like, it seems like they're getting this from something. And they're not talking like <laughs> morons, like calling people obscenities back and forth so they're actually having a real discussion and so there was one person that was said like like they have said that she called there twice like the place or whatever said that nancy or that that tanya harding called there twice and so that's the piece i'm not sure of but what is known is there was that letter or whatever that they found they said it was her handwriting which i don't know anything about like the handwriting stuff so maybe that is something that's like super dubious no idea who knows? Yeah. Um, so that that's the only thing. Like I said, I go back and forth on the whole thing. It's just sort of an incredible story overall. I, I will say, regardless, I kind of agree with the movie's thesis that, like, we, it, like, even, let's say she did, like, know a little bit about some of it or whatever. It is sort of crappy to just, like, you, like, like the media and a lot of us sort of feed into, we just get our entertainment out of something and then drop them and leave them behind. Yep. And we just sort of do that 
over and over again. And the movie itself, even like she had, they have Tanya say at the end, like people want something easy, something that they understand, but life isn't really like that. It's a lot more complicated than that. Right. Which that's not to, if she, if, if Tanya Harding did do something wrong, that's not to excuse anything that she did, but it is sort of, I get the whole critique of the media circus around it. The armchair lawyering and, you know. Yeah. So like, let's say, because one thing I completely agree with you on that you said a few minutes ago is let's say she did do something wrong and knew about it and everything. I, I firmly believe for the sake of society that if you cannot prove that she had done so, she should not get a penalty. Right. Like she should, like, like that's the thing is it's one thing to sort of hold her in the court of public opinion. Um, but it's another thing to, uh, to like actually like a ban or put her in jail or like, cause it seemed like a lot of that sort of stuff was on the line. I mean, clearly they're her being banned from figure skating. Yeah. I was really, we were really confused. It's funny that you said like this sat with you cause it kind of, it kind of did for me and my wife too. Like we didn't, I realized right before we started recording, I never actually got her impression of the movie, like whether she liked it or not, because mm-hmm. for the like next hour after the movie, we were talking about right, like the implications of the story. And specifically the thing that we were mostly wrapped up in is like, why did she get banned for life from skating? Yeah. And how can a like court, like, like government court, why are they in power to ban you from skating? Like, I don't... So, it's a weird thing, and again, it's a situation that I'm not sure how I feel. So, this is not me coming down on a side. But, so, if it's something where there's actual government prosecuting, I do have a problem with that if you don't really have evidence. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. It seems to be like a league, like like a private sports league. Oh, that wasn't a U.S. like court? I thought it was the Olympics Council. I thought she got like a sign called public like service or something. They they did make it you know what, you're right. That she was assigned that. Um I, I think I think the people that actually have the power to strip her of her awards though is the Olympics committee, not like Congress can't say your awards are invalid. That's well not just awards, but like whether or not she can skate as part of the uh whatever that league was. Yeah, that that is weird. I feel like that that is weird. I don't know if that's something where, like, the Olympics... Was was the Olympics one of the clients in the case? Because they were doing an investigation? I mean, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Like, that would... I, I, I don't know how that works. But all of all of this... Dis- but the one thing that did make sense was whether or not she was part of the kneecapping. Like, if she was right. willing to send death threats, like, that feels like that's also reason to ban somebody from skating exactly. with your organization. Right. So... I do feel like that part feels kind of like that was in the right. But yeah, it kind of like sat yeah. with us for a while because we're just like, how did that ending work out? The, the only thing that maybe you can clarify this because the thing that didn't make sense to me in the movie after I was reading about it afterwards was she was basically her punishments. Um, The actual charge was like some I forget the term but like delaying the prosecution impeding the prosecution something like that which according to what i read about this specific case was she had found out after the kneecapping from like her boyfriend or whatever like when she found out and didn't immediately tell the prosecution until like a later date 
And so because she delayed in telling them whether she was afraid or whatever, um, that that was what she got the punishment for. And that's why she, in the movie at least, felt shocked. Like, what do you mean? Like, why would you do that if I'm only being punished for delaying the Yeah, that seems really bizarre to me, too. Yeah, so that that's the thing is, is like, I'm even okay if, like you said, if the Olympics committee was like, or whoever, was like, so you were in on this thing for even death threats with the acknowledged thing of... um you know, messing up her psyche or whatever. And so that's good enough to ban you. But that wasn't the stated reason. And so that's what's weird about it as well. I don't know. It's a it's a crazy story. I know yeah. we keep saying that, but it, it really was. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely uh, check out that 30 for 30. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I probably will. All right, so do you want to end with uh, your sort of Rotten Tomatoes rating? Yeah, I would definitely... Uh, this is one of those movies that was critically acclaimed that I absolutely agree with a lot of the hype around it. I'd probably give it like a 95%. Oh man. Wow. It, I mean, it was really yeah, good. I, I definitely I really agree. I, I think I'd have it in like the high eighties, probably like 88, 89%. Um, but yeah, definitely mm-hmm. very, very fun and not fun because of the story, but fun just because of the yeah, the way that they told the story was very creative and and sort of delightful. It, it just feels like it was sprinkled right. with like experimentation and like fun filmmaking. Yep. And so yeah, and then combine that with just a crazy interesting story and yeah, definitely would recommend it. And it it was just the it was the best way to do that type of story because there's been so many other like historical movies that have maybe been made on a controversial historical event that have polarized a group of people because they choose to come down on a side if that makes sense right so this was sort of genius in the way they structured it and like laid out all their cards at the beginning and throughout the movie with the the fourth wall breaking that it was just i just thought it was genius how they chose to tackle this story so there's so if you're someone that absolutely thinks tanya harding did it or didn't there's room for um both of those people in this movie if that makes sense and it wasn't too focused on just the event you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's generally the story of her life leading up to that event but like right yeah it it didn't it wasn't so predicated on the specifics of that event to where that was the most important thing if that makes any sense Right. And it did contextualize her life a lot. And that's one thing where I liked, like, sort of the media critique is we, like, not to be, like, sappy or cheesy, but, like, everybody has, you know, moments in their life that they probably, uh, you know, would make people think that you're an awful person. And some of those are probably earned or not. And that's the thing is, is she's had an entire life. And it doesn't mean that. Um, even if she did do something awful, that that her entire, you know, personhood is just devalued and worthless. But that's kind of how it was treated. If that, you right? Know. It's it's a punchline for a cheap, you know, late night uh, bit, right? At this stage, and that that's pretty sucky to have to live your life with that for the rest of your life, right? Exactly. And by the way, that's not to say that there aren't certainly people that are beyond the pale. <laughs> But yeah, with situations like this where it's sort of, it's controversial for a reason, you know, no one's really certain of all the ins and outs of the situation. It is sort of crappy to just sort of 
treat it yeah. like you said like a punchline so yeah I, I but yeah I, I enjoyed it yeah so. definitely and I am officially adding the big short to our uh, our list of movies because I think I think you'd really like that one and that has a lot of interesting parallels to this one okay yeah I, I probably would like it I, I like seeing Steve Carell attempt serious roles so yeah there's a lot of really great actors in that one too but I think the storytelling and editing are sort of the stars of that in a similar way that I think this one was yeah all right so if you uh if you liked hearing us talk about uh this movie or you want to hear us talk about any other movies uh where can they check that out uh at a town fm correct no that's our that's our other podcast just kidding yeah no this is uh, you can go to atownmovies.com or uh and and you can go there okay. and you can find all of our social media stuff uh on twitter we are a town movies yep. fm and uh for reddit or facebook you can go to a town fm but yeah we probably need to get that all uh <laughs> more centralized but if you go to a town movies.com that that'll have everything you need cool and uh yeah if you like this uh maybe go to itunes or uh podchaser.com and uh leave us a review and i think our next episode will probably be oceans eight yes yes we were gonna do that for this week and dan didn't want to go uh immediately on opening night like i and my wife really wanted to so did you see it yet oh yes i did yes i did okay and i'd love to talk to you about it 